This is recording number 10809 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Vallejo, California. This is the 10th message in the outpouring series. It was recorded on Sunday morning, March 29, 2009, and features Sue Bolt. This message is titled, Opening the Door. We're going to talk today, um, I was out with Heidi the dog, those of you who know me know Heidi the dog, and uh, we were walking through the park, and I was just, I had my Bible and my journal with me, and I was just kind of flipping through, and you know, it's kind of a time after work for me to, to hear from the Lord and just get settled down, and I just happened, you know, it was one of those, I have to say, one of those flip through kind of things, but I was out with her, and I just came upon a story, and just I just intrigued me, and I felt like the Lord was speaking to me out of it. And then it dawned on me, this is out of the book of Acts. This is where we've been studying as a church, you know. And, and, and I kind of prayed about it a while, and I brought it to Randy's attention. You know, hon, I kind of feel like maybe I have a little message to share. Would it be okay? And it turned out it just, this was about two weeks ago, that it fell right in the chronology of where we're headed. And it's Acts chapter 12. So if you have your Bible with you, if you'd open it, and this is chapter 12 of Acts, and we're going to read quite a bit. And if you don't have a Bible, we have lots of loners. So raise your hand, even though the print is so tiny, small, and those loners. We're going to start with verse 1 and end at 19. So we're actually going to read quite a bit. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. But the church is getting such a movement going. There is so much dynamic happening that it's threatening every, the Romans and the Jewish um, leadership. So there's just a lot, and the church is starting to come under heavy persecution. James, the brother John, because he saw, verse 3, that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread, one of the Jewish festivals. So when he had arrested him, Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him. A squad is, one squad would be four soldiers. So Peter had altogether 16 soldiers guarding him intending, the end of verse 4, to bring him before the people after Passover. Now Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. And when it says there, when Herod was about to bring him out, it was probably for execution, is what that means. So it was the night before. Verse 7, now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, Peter, and in a light, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Peter, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. And so he went out and followed him. And he did not know what was done by the angel was real but thought that maybe he was seeing a vision. And when they were 
past the first and the second guard posts. They've gone by all these soldiers. They came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. So John Mark, right, is who that is. And where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. And they said to her, you are beside yourself. You're crazy, girlfriend. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they, saw, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go, tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers. Backwards saying, saying it was craziness amongst those soldiers about what had become of Peter. Verse 19. And when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. 16, at least 16, because of this. And he went down from Judea, this is Peter, to Caesarea and stayed there. Quite a story, huh? There's a sweet book that series I love. I don't know if any of you've read it. Raise your hand if you've read the Mitford series. Yeah. It's about an Episcopal priest who's in his 60s. Long story short, this is a New York Times bestseller. The gospel's preached in every book. And at one point in the first book, um, the priest leads a man to Christ and leads him in a sinner's prayer. And this man had been a jewel thief. Anyway, he leads him in this prayer of salvation. The man has a glorious salvation, comes to Christ as a new creation. Um, and so the, the newspaper editor comes out, and he's kind of one of those oily, greasy newspaper guys. I mean, that, you know, like the character. And he wants to, he's interviewing the priest. Well, tell me about what happened, because it was such a huge conversion, how it all came out. And read the book. It's really sweet. And... Um, you know, what did you say? What, what, and so the priest told him, and, well, what was the prayer you prayed? And, and, and Father Tim says, well, I just asked him to follow it along with me. And, he, and, you know, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I need a new beginning, and I want you in my life. I receive you now. Please come in, in Jesus' name. And the newspaper editor says, Oh, man. He goes, don't you have something with a little more pizzazz than that? How can it be that simple? And Father Tim says to him, I think it's just such a great line. He says, if a person prays that prayer and they mean it with all their heart, they'll have way more pizzazz than they can ever handle. That's the Christian life. And don't you think this story has a lot of pizzazz in it? Yeah, it does. So we're going to look at a couple things, just three points. And I hope it'll speak to you today in some way. And Lord, that's my prayer, that you are, your word would not return void. We've got a cast of characters just real quick because I think it's interesting. In, in verse 2, he talks about that 
uh, Herod killed James, the brother of John. James and John were two of Jesus' disciples. They must have been quite a pair because Jesus called them the sons of thunder. They're brothers. And um, then we hear later about the second James in verse 17 when Peter is delivered. And he says, go tell James. This is a different James in Jerusalem. This is actually one of the brothers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary and Joseph had children after Jesus was born. And it says in the, in the gospel somewhere that his, his brothers actually did not believe on him while he walked and ministered. It wasn't really till the point of the resurrection, the crucifixion, that his brothers received him and knew him. And James was one of them. And James became actually the pastor of the Jerusalem church. Now, as we know, as Randy's been teaching us, the Jerusalem church is quite large at this time. It is a mega church. It is several, several thousand people. So Peter is telling them when he is delivered after this whole incident with the chains falling, the angel leading him, go tell James so he can tell the rest of the church and what's going on. Um, and then finally, Peter. We'll talk about Rhoda in a little while, but, but Peter. I love Peter. I think I've come to love him more in the last few months. For some reason, he's just become such a dear one to me in, in the scriptures. Because, you, you guys, if you've, if you've read the Gospels at all, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when you read about Peter, he's just, you know... How, how far can I stick my foot in my mouth, you know? <laughs> he's just so rambunctious. Don't you just, he's a fisherman. Don't you just get the picture of this big, burly guy that just would take on the world? I mean, that's a big, you know, I'll knock you out if you can come near my Jesus, you know? I mean, he, he did. In fact, he takes his, in the garden, it says he took his sword out and took somebody's ear off, you know? You just, just always put, saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. But we love Peter because he's so like us. He's so imperfect and he's not together and he's not polished and he's not what we esteem. You know, that's why I think I relate to him so much. And, and then it gets to this end of Jesus' life and, and um, before the crucifixion. And big, burly fisherman Peter is standing outside while Jesus is being questioned and examined. And um, Peter's outside. It says he's warming himself. And a young servant girl asks him, did you know him? And he says, no, I didn't. This big, burly man that would take on the world was frightened by a little girl. And denied him three times, it says. Those of you that know the story. And if you don't, I want to invite you to read it because it's really cool. Brought down by a little, little probably teenager, just a young servant girl. But then comes the power of Pentecost. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. It brings a boldness into our lives that isn't our own. And we see this man that was so frightened of a servant girl out preaching in the streets, knowing that his life was on the line and seeing multitudes come. If you read the chapters prior to this, wherever Peter goes, people are being healed. There's an account about a chapter before this where he raises a woman from the dead. He's walking in the power of the Holy Spirit using the name of Jesus to promote the gospel. And now we see the Peter that we all can aim to be as we allow the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon us. 
Point number one. Jesus, I mean, Peter was backed into a corner. He was chained between two soldiers with a guard of 16 all around him. Everything looked hopeless, looked dim, looked like there was no way out. Now, what about you? Are you in a situation today that looks hopeless and dim and no way out? Are you, do you know somebody that's in that kind of place? You don't know. They're backed into a corner. They don't know which way to turn. Their resources are gone. It, it looks like things are completely out of control. Well, this story tell us, tells us here that God is faithful. He will deliver us. But this is the key, you guys. We can't try to figure out or tell him how to do it. I don't think Peter or those praying for him could have imagined in a million years how this was going to come out. They were just praying and praying and praying. God could do his own thing however he did it. And where we get into trouble is we start looking for ways for it to happen, huh? Oh my gosh, that's the story of our life, isn't it? We spent so much of our life trying to figure things out and getting ourselves out of our own jams rather than... God do it, letting God do it. You know, it became kind of a joke, and, but this bears it out. Somebody said to us, you know what? We serve a God of the 11th hour. You think about that. That's this story. This is the night before he's to go probably to be killed. God of the 11th hour. Because you know what? He's doing a whole lot more than just your gig. Your life affects people you don't even know. And if we allow him to have his way in us for good, it is going to affect way more people than we can express or even imagine. But when we choose to take matters in our own hands, same ripple effect. We don't know what we've screwed up in other people's lives, let alone our own. Think about it. It's worth waiting for what he's going to do and not trying to figure it out. Now, I even thought... Heck, God of the 11th hour. Sometimes I think he's God of the 13th hour. Sometimes he's come through for Randy and I when we thought it was past due. But the point is he came through. And when he came through, man, is that a story to tell. And we can look back and say, you know, it wasn't that much fun in the midst of it. But I can look back now and say, I am so glad I went through that. At the time, you don't think you could ever possibly imagine saying that. But looking back on Heinz, he said, I learned so much. So much was worked in me. This happened to this person. This happened to that person. Who knows what's going on? Let's trust him. Let's not figure it out. Because how God delivered Peter was completely different than he thought. Now let's move to the next part of the story. I just love this part. This is the part that captured me when I was out walking, Heidi. Let's see. Let's pick it up where it is. So Peter comes. Let's look at verse 13 again. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. Did you ever think what a crack up that is? (laughs) Don't you just think, Rhoda was a blonde? (laughs) Oh, somebody's at the door. Who is it? Oh, my gosh, 
gosh, oh my 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 gosh. <laughs> and just leaves them at the door. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. You know, I can so relate. I hate to say this. You know, some of you are so sick of hearing this story, but for those that are new, a few months ago I was in the hospital in the emergency room. And I'd love to say I'm not blonde, but I am, even though it's mostly bottle now. I was a blonde for my youth, it's about 19th. Now it's mostly gray, brown, anyway, you don't want to hear all that. I'm basically dying. I didn't know it at the time. Have a big mass. It's bleeding out. I'm in pain beyond childbirth kind of pain. And what am I thinking? I didn't think about that until I saw this story. Because I've told you guys, haven't I, that God, I actually had no fear. There was such a grace and presence of the Lord that I sensed no fear at all. But I, I remembered after reading the story, I did have a little bit of anxiety. And this was my anxiety. I'm in this little gown. I'm in pain, bleeding out. Every time a nurse walked in, I kept saying, oh. you know, I usually paint my toenails. <laughs> I'm sorry they look like this. I was so embarrassed every time. You know, I'm really in a lot of pain. This morphine and this dadolin or whatever they gave me, it's, it's not working. But you know what? I usually paint my toenails. <laughs> anyway, I can relate to Rhoda. Can anybody else relate to Rhoda? Even if you're dark haired, yeah, oh, I saw that, Viv. <laughs> What's the story here? What's the story? There's two points here, and then we'll finish. She doesn't open the door. And they get this either. She goes back. This is the other kicker. She goes back and says, it's Peter. They don't believe him. And they said, it's his angel. And they still don't open the door. <laughs> so the guys are kind of in, in it too. There are blonde guys too. <laughs> Don't you think? It's his angel. What the, one thing that does tell me is they were used to the supernatural. They were used to the supernatural. Finally, they do go open the door. But my point is this. Sometimes we have a door before us. And it seems so impossible. God has called us to do something that seems so impossible and so incredible that it can't possibly be that we refuse to open the door to it. What has he called me to? What has he called you to, possibly? Something that he's spoken into your life that to you seems so impossible that it could ever happen that you refuse to open the door to it. You think it's just too doggone hard. This can't be God. It, It doesn't make sense. And we keep the door closed. And believe me, I have known a lot of people in, the, in, in we've pastored a long time, a lot of people that have said no to, to that knocking on the door. Because it's just too hard, it's just too difficult. But I want to tell you a story about a couple that we know who hit an impossible door. God had called them to something. And it looked crazy that they would even do it. It was a young couple in our church. And Randy's talked about them before, Don and Denise Gilman felt called to go into the mission field. And it wasn't because they didn't have anything else better to do. All I can say is they were making money hand over fist. They had a beautiful home in San Ramon. They had just had their first child, and they were well off. And God calls them to forsake it all and go to the mission field. Well, in the midst of it, they have another baby. They're with youth with a mission. And... As it turns out, while they were out on the field, they were feeling called to go to 
Sri Lanka at the time, war-torn country. Why don't you go ahead and show them Don and Denise's picture, hon? I want you to see them. I think it helps to see them, Don and Denise Gilman. And the door looked like it was shut because their second boy, the bone was not growing in the upper part of his leg. And there was great fear that the leg would grow, be dead. There was just no life in the leg. They came back to the U.S. to consult with doctors. It was ruled out that it was cancer because they thought it might be at one point. But they absolutely, at this point, have no money. You know, they've gone through all their resources. They're totally living on support. They have this little infant that's starting to walk, but they know there's something dreadfully wrong. By a miraculous way, Shriners Hospital picked them up, picked up the tab for them to get this little boy to hopefully save this leg that he will be able to have a normal life in somewhat, in some way. So here they are. They've got one toddler, another toddler, and what she writes here, I will read just a minute of it. They're still feeling called to the mission field. She says, from the time Josh, that's his name, was one and a half years old until six years old, he had nine spica casts. Is that how you say it? A spica cast runs from the chest down both legs with a bar between the legs. From here down. Can you imagine, Jackie and Alan, can you imagine any of your boys in a spica cast? Nine times between the ages of a year and a half and six. Nine times. She gets pregnant again. They have a beautiful little girl named Karis. They've got these three kids. They're in the U.S. But they know that they're supposed to go. They go to Singapore first. They've been all over the world with missions. They go to Singapore, then end up in Taiwan because they open the door. And they left for the mission field when Karis was two weeks old. Josh was in a spica cast. And the oldest son is probably about four or five years old. It looked impossible. There is not one of us that thought they should go. Not one of us thought they could go, let alone their family. But God was knocking at their door. And they had the faith to believe that if God called us, he will make a way. And I want you to see Josh now. This is Josh. Oh, whole family. Sorry. Let's go to Josh real quick. There he is today. I remember at one point, his older brother dropped him and the leg broke again. Accidentally. This is the most vital funny, fun-loving kid you could ever meet, probably about 22, 23 years old. In this family, it's incredible what they have. You can go back to the family. This is their family and their daughter-in-law here. And um, their life has so much pizzazz. They are the Indiana Jones of Christianity. As we speak, Don is in South Africa preaching the gospel. They, their kids can't imagine life any other way. Anything less than being on the mission field would be boring. They have story after story after story to tell of God's faithfulness, miraculous power coming through, and they are a hoot. But all three of those kids want to be missionaries because there's no other way to go. They open the door. 
third part of my story. Oh, I know I got one more picture. I'm sorry. Can the, the whole group. This is just a sample of what they do. This is one of the sessions of what they do in Taiwan to send missionaries out into all the world, basically Asia. Can you see the influence? This is just one class. And they've been there, what, 13, 14, 15 years now? Something like that. I don't know. I feel privileged that I even know them. Third and final part of the story. Peter's knocking at the door. God's knocking at the door, as it were. Will you let him in? May not be that he's calling you to come out to do something, but maybe he's saying to you, can I come in? Can I come into that area of your life? Maybe you've been a Christian a long time, but there's still stuff. But you know, he's a gentleman. He won't go where he's not invited. He'll just stand and wait. I know he's done with that with me. Sue, when you're ready, I'm here for you. I'm here to deliver you and heal you and free you. I knew I was forgiven, but I sure held a lot of my strongholds and bondages for a while, a long time. But when I'd let him in, open that door, why did I wait? Why did I wait so long? Why did I wait so long for the Holy Spirit to fill me, touch me, heal me, to do the things that I've dreamed of? Why did I think I could do it better? What do you need to open the door for today? Let's let him in. Can I have you guys all stand and we'll just close? I hope you enjoyed this story as much as I did. It's a hoot, isn't it? Rhoda. It's Peter. It's Peter. It's Peter. You know. I mean, I think, no, it's his angel. What's up with that? I mean, when you think about it, I think if we were at home group and then, ah, it's just his angel. Go back to the spaghetti. Good grief. And then they, then they were so excited, it says he had to calm them down. God wasn't done with Peter yet. There was many more adventures to go on. You guys, we have just started. We've just begun. As a church and as individuals, the best is yet to come. So let's open the door. <laughs>